0: Oh, well, welcome, Vail Church, it is good to see you. How are we doing today, we good? All right, all right. Well, hey, my name is Corey. I've got the privilege of serving on staff here as one of the pastors. It is good to have you guys here in the room. If you've been here, you know the deal. If you want to help me, welcome those joining us online. We've got Colorado, Louisiana, Missouri, all across Illinois and the states. It is good to have you guys. Good to be here in the room. Now, I'm sure that we all have specific memories from our childhood that just kind of stick in our mind. It could be memories of good times. It could be times where we laughed a whole lot. It may be times that you learned a lesson. I have one or two of those memories that stick out to me. So there was one time where I was at my grandma's house, and I'm sure that if you ever uh, remember visiting with your grandparents, or maybe you're a grandparent yourself, and you can vouch for this, it just seems that when you're at grandma's house, there are less rules. Like there are things that you get to do at grandma's house that you don't get to do anywhere else, and that can be an awesome thing, but it also means that if there is a rule, you better believe it. So one of the things I like to do at grandma's house is I like to ride my tricycle up and down the the sidewalk there. And so because she wanted to keep me safe, she had created clear boundaries and I knew what they were. I knew that I could go two driveways down and then I needed to turn around and come back. Now I did that most of the time, but because I was a little boy and boys were created to push the limits, one day I had in my mind I was gonna break all the rules and I was gonna go to the third driveway. That's right. So I get over there, I get on my tricycle and I don't wanna give the game away too quick. And so I go down to the second driveway, I turn around and I come back. The next time I go down to the second driveway plus the next square on the sidewalk. Okay. Then I go back and then it's time. And so I get on my tricycle, I'm going, I go past the first driveway. I go past the second driveway. I get to the third driveway. I turn around with a look of victory on my face and I see my grandma coming at me quick and she's got something in her hand. Now, depending on what generation you are in, this will mean something different to you when I tell you that what was in my grandmother's hand was a Switch. And I'm not talking about the Nintendo kind. I'm talking about the, she just broke this branch off of a tree kind and she grabs me off of that tricycle. That switch comes across the back of my legs and I go running back to the house. Grandma beat me with a tree. Man, something in our human nature tends to lead us to want to push the limits, to define what the boundaries are. And this is something that starts in us early as kids. And for a lot of us, it follows us into adulthood. Now, right now, I can put everybody in this room and online in one of three categories. And you may bounce back and forth every once in a while, but for the most part, you fall into one of these categories almost all the time. You are either a rule follower, you are a rule breaker or a rule bender. Did I nail it? I got you, right? Like you're, you're in one of these majority of the time. You may go one way or another depending on the scenario, but most of the time you're in one of these. Now, me, myself, I fall into the rule bender category. And I don't say this proudly because honestly, I think that bending the rules is worse than breaking the rules in most cases. You see, when you bend the rule, you're looking for a loophole. You're trying to break the rule, but do it in a way where you can justify your actions. When we bend the rules, we say things like, well, technically, or, well, that's really a gray area. See, when we make a habit of bending the rules or we allow people around us to consistently bend the rules, what we do is we create a culture of deceit and manipulation and excuses, and I know that that may seem kind of harsh, and I will agree with you that sometimes bending the rules can be okay, but all in all, rules are there for a reason, even if we don't like them. And just to be honest with you guys, there are rules that I would love to break. It would just make life easier. I would love to be able to run through all stop signs and all red lights. It just makes life faster. I would love to walk out of the store without paying for my groceries, faster and cheaper. I would love to not pay taxes. There are lots of rules that I would like to break, but reality is is that rules are there for a purpose, whether you like them or not, and breaking or even bending the rules typically comes with consequences. Now, when it comes to bending the rules, we may not think that it's a big deal, but what's so dangerous about it is for those of us with a relationship with Jesus, man, this idea and this mindset that it's okay to bend the rules, it seeps over into our faith as well. You see, we know the rules and we know the guidelines that God gives to us, but when it's just too hard or it's just inconvenient to be obedient, we often try to find a workaround. We try to find a loophole. See, the rules that we have in life, they're there for a purpose. They're either to protect us or to guide us. The rules are there to help set boundaries that we may not be able to set on our own. And like it or not, rules and the authority that they have are just part of our world. They have been from the start. And because of that, when it comes to religion, a lot of people want no part of it. You see, if we have rules that are such a prevalent part in our daily lives out in the world, rules that we may or may not have any say in, why would somebody voluntarily take on a belief system that just seems like even more rules about what you can or can't do? And so the first question that you need to ask yourself in this situation is, do you believe there is a God that created you? Now here at Vail, we believe that this is true. We believe that there is one true God that is the creator of all things. And so since we believe that, we believe that God is the one true God and that directs everything that we teach. That directs everything that we do. But you have to answer that question for yourself. Do you believe there is a God that created you? Because if the answer is no, then why would you care about the rules or guidelines that he gives? But if your answer is yes, then you need to ask another question. What do I believe about the rule maker? See, when I look at the the rules that come along with being a Christian, it's critical to know what I believe about God, the one who sets the rules. Because if I don't believe that God sets the rules out of his supreme knowledge of what is best for me, then I honestly need to look at my faith altogether but if I trust that the rules God has placed over me and over my life are out of his desire to give me the best plan for how to live life, then I'll find that I actually enjoy following the rules and will desire to do that. Now, this is the start of our summer series called the 10 Commandments. And throughout this summer, we're gonna jump in to the 10 Commandments, the 10 main commands, rules, decrees that God gives to his people to help them base how to live their lives on. Now, the reason God gave us these rules, it wasn't so he could be controlling over every aspect of our lives. He didn't give us these rules because he's mean. He didn't give them to us because he doesn't want us to have any fun. The reason for the commandments is because now we don't have to guess about what it is God wants us to do or not do. I don't know about you, but I love when people give me clear and specific information. But as direct as the commands that God gives us may be, it's not always easy to understand them and even harder to apply them all of the time. Now, if you're familiar at all with the 10 commandments, you'll notice as we get into it over the summer that we're not specifically going in order of commandment one, commandment two, three, and so on. And that's okay. Okay. You see, there's a lot of things in the Bible where sequence matters, where the order of what is said and when is important. But it's not so much with the Ten Commandments. Well, why? Because the purpose of all the commandments is the same. The purpose of the commandments is to help us grow in our relationship with God. And so, to make sure that we're all on the same page, I want us to hit a few questions real quick. What are these commandments? Why did they matter? Do they still matter today? So we need to answer these questions because these answers will affect how we treat scripture with our lives today. And this is gonna get a little deep into some history and some facts. And so if that's not your thing, just hang with me for a few minutes, okay? So what are the 10 commandments? These are the 10 directives that God gave to the Israelites, to the Jewish people through his prophet Moses as they're wandering through the desert. See, as these people are making their transition from being in slavery in Egypt for hundreds of years, they're now transitioning into their new land, their new life, their new purpose, their new freedom. And so God takes an opportunity to give them direction. Can you remember the first time that you got that taste of freedom? Maybe it was the first time that you got to stay home by yourself for a little bit. Maybe it's when you got your driver's license. You could go where you wanted to go, when you wanted to. Whatever the moment was where you got to be independent, even if it was just for an hour or two. Man, that feeling of freedom, man, being able to make your own choices, you being in control, there was nothing like it. But when you experience something like that for the first time, It's easy to get, man, kind of overwhelmed or it's easy to get carried away if you don't have some guidelines or some direction. And that's what's happening here. See, the Israelites haven't had freedom for generations. And when they finally get it, God knows that they'll need some guidance in order to succeed. And so God gives what we call the 10 Commandments. And the reason for them is to very plainly tell the Israelites how they could live lives that pleased God. It was God giving them the opportunity to choose to be obedient or not. And I don't know if you've ever made the connection, but obedience is God's love language. See, God desires for us to be obedient to him, that we would obey him. And it's not because he needs us to do that. He doesn't need to be validated by us obeying him. It's not because if we don't obey him, he stops being God. No, he desires us to obey him because God knows what supremely is best for us. And that's important for us to pay attention to because what we see is that following these commands, it was and it is a choice just like it's a choice for us to follow the rules and the laws that we've got today. Now, what's important about the commandments is that it shows us what matters to God. God gives us these commandments because these are what is important to him. And so these 10 commandments, for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, these are things that we still need to pay attention to, things that we still need to follow today because these things still matter to God. Now in reality, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, God gave his people 613 commandments. And all of these commands fall into one of three categories. So these categories of Jewish law, you had civil laws, ceremonial laws and moral laws. These were the three categories that all Jewish law fell into. And it's important for us to know what these are because when we understand this, it shows us what applies to us today because not all 613 do. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. But why? Well, the reason some still apply and others don't is because of what has happened throughout the history of our faith and history of the world. And so what do these categories mean? Well, the first category is civil law. And these were laws that dealt with things like debt and divorce, inheritance. These were laws about landmarks and punishments for robberies and other crimes like this. Civil laws dealt with with disputes between Jewish people or individuals. Now, these laws expired when the Jewish civil government collapsed as the Babylonian and the Persian empires started rising to power in the last 600 years leading up to Jesus. And so the civil laws no longer in play. These things are not a part of what we follow anymore. This takes us to the next category, which is the ceremonial laws. This is where we find the food and the dietary laws. These were the laws that dealt with offerings and sacrifices telling you what kind of offering or sacrifice to give for what situation, how to do it, when to do it, all that kind of stuff. Ceremonial laws were all about how you honored God through obedience. Now ceremonial laws, these expired with the new covenant when Jesus fulfilled them by becoming God in the flesh. And we see in Mark chapter seven that Jesus removes the dietary and the food laws when he's having this conversation with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the rule followers. They were the ones who were all about making sure that they lived their lives based on the rules and making sure other people did the same thing. But Jesus is talking to them about inner purity, about having pure motives and intentions in their hearts. Because again, the Pharisees were the rule followers. They followed the rules to the letter, but it was all head knowledge. It was all things for appearance, to look good to other people. There was no heart change that came along with it. And in Mark chapter seven, starting in verse 17, we see this story. It says, and when he, Jesus, when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding?" Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So not only do we see here that Jesus is removing the dietary restrictions and saying, hey, all food is back on the table now. You get it? So, but he said, like, that, that is all good. Everything is okay now. But he also is directing the people back to the Ten Commandments by listing out these things that displease God. And as for the laws about offerings and sacrifices, through his death on the cross, Jesus became the last sacrifice ever needed. In Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 11, it says, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never, say never, Never. which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. See, through his death on the cross, Jesus spilled his blood. He sacrificed his body, covering every sin debt owed forever, making the need for sacrifices to cease. It's through his death, his burial and his resurrection that we regain direct access to a connection with God. We no longer need to go through a priest as a middleman. Our relationship with God is reestablished by the blood of Jesus. And so the ceremonial laws are no longer needed. And this takes us to the last category, the moral law. Moral laws have no expiration because they are based on God's character which does not change. And so the moral law, such as the 10 commandments and the, the commands that God gives us about our sexual lifestyles and everything in that category, we still follow these because Jesus affirmed that those laws would exist until heaven and earth passed away. And so we see this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. It says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now I know that that was a lot of information. And so let's all take a breath. Okay, I know that was a lot, but it's important to know as much as we can about this. God's laws were important then, they are important now. The theologian R.C. Sproul, he said this, said, but as the law reveals the character of God, it provides a mirror to reflect to us our unholiness against the ultimate standard of righteousness. Now, R.C. Sproul was a super smart guy. And so I had to read this a whole bunch to make sure I understand it. So we're going to read this again. It says, but as the law reveals the character of God, it provides a mirror to reflect to us our unholiness against the ultimate standard of righteousness. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that convicts me. You see, just like a mirror's purpose is to show us a reflection of ourselves so that we can check our appearance and see if we look okay, God's law reflects to us a picture of his ultimate and perfect righteousness. It shows us what matters to God so that we can clearly see the picture of God's character. See, the more we understand the purpose behind the 10 commandments, why God gave them to us, why they're still important today, the greater chance we'll have at living lives that are in tune with God. And when we do that, it gives us a better chance of helping everyone find and follow Jesus. And so finally, let's jump into the Ten Commandments. That was like the longest intro and setup ever, but I've only got about 40 minutes left. And so here we go, okay? I'm kidding, please don't leave. Uh, Now, I know I said there's no particular order to the commandments, but we are gonna start with commandment number one. And it's not because it's the most important one. It's just that this commandment sets the tone for all of the others. So Exodus chapter 20 is where we find the Ten Commandments. And starting in verse one, It says, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So here's the setting, and here's what's going on. God has delivered the Israelites, the Jewish people, out of slavery in Egypt. And now they're wandering through the desert, heading towards the promised land. Now, they're not sure where this promised land is. They just know that this is a land that God has promised that he would take them to. And here's the deal. God is leading them there. During the day, he is leading them through a pillar of cloud. During night, he's leading them through a pillar of fire. He's taking them to where he said he will take them. Now, right now they're in this area called Sinai. And in this area, there's a mountain that is called Mount Sinai. They were real creative with names in the Bible. And Moses at one point is called up on the Mount Sinai to hear from the Lord. And so Moses goes up onto the mountain to be with the Lord. The Lord speaks to Moses, gives him the commands for the people. Moses comes back down off the mountain and gives the laws to the Israelites. And here's the first command that God gives. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, the first question that you might have, especially if you're new to this whole faith thing or you're just checking it out, the first question you might have is, so is is he saying that there are other gods? Well, no. See, the command that you shall have no other gods before me, God's not saying that there are other gods out there. He's not saying that you can have other gods as long as he comes first. It's nothing like that. What we need to pay attention to is the difference between these two similar but different words, uppercase God and lowercase God. Now, lowercase God could be a few things. This can be someone who is an influential person. It can be someone who is admired and adored. This is someone that that we give authority to, we give power to. And sometimes we fall into the trap of putting celebrities or sports stars or even politicians into this category. And we may not use the term God, but it's how we treat them, it's how we act towards them. Sometimes how we even worship them. Lowercase God can also mean an animal or an idol or an object that a person or people revere as having power and influence over our lives and our world today. We as Christians, we would say that this term refers to the supernatural, superhuman beings and spirits that are worshiped by other religions, regardless of which one it is. Lowercase God is not something that we give any power to in Christianity. And this brings us to uppercase God. So, we believe that uppercase God is the creator and the ruler of the universe. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God that we worship. He is the source of all moral authority and the one true supreme being. And so, when God says, You shall have no other gods before me, He's not saying that there are other options out there and we should choose Him. He's saying, I'm it. There are no others. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 13, God says, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, if he is the one and only God, why would he need to give the command to have no other gods? Well, because since God created us and knows us better than we know ourselves, he knew that we would struggle to keep our attention on him. And guess what? He wasn't wrong. So God knew that we as humans, we need something to look to as a power figure. We need something to put our faith in. We are designed to worship something. We talked about this a few weeks ago when Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days, receiving the commands from God, receiving these laws from God. Do you remember what's happening at the bottom of the mountain? In Exodus chapter 32, verse one, it says, "'When the people saw that Moses delayed "'to come down from the mountain, "'the people gathered themselves together to Aaron "'and said to him, "'Up, make us gods who shall go before us. "'As for this Moses, the man who brought us up "'out of the land of Egypt, "'we do not know what's become of him.'" And so Moses is up on the mountain getting the commands from God and the people are already breaking the first command even though they don't know it, but God does. Why is the first command to have no other gods? Because God knew that left to ourselves, we would put something in that place. We have to. We have to have something to worship. We have to have something in that authority position. It is ingrained in us to have something that we can give credit to or blame for the things that happen in our lives and in the world around us. And throughout history, we have put all sorts of things in that spot. Idols, ideas, science, nature, sometimes other people or even ourselves. And here's where the issue comes in. See, when we put anything in the place of God, eventually we will give credit to something that is undeserving. That's what's happening with the Israelites. Moses is up on the mountain for a long time. The people get impatient. And so they go to Aaron, who's the second in command, and say, hey, get up, make us some gods for us to worship. And Aaron goes, oh, okay. And so he collects all the gold from the people. He melts it down and he makes this golden baby cow. And then in Exodus 32, verse four, and they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And these people who have claimed the God of the universe as their God and God has claimed them as his people. These people who have been delivered out of slavery, who saw God physically with them in a cloud by day and fire by night, these people who saw the Red Sea parted with invisible hands so that they could walk through the middle on dry land after seeing and experiencing all that God has done for them. When Moses is gone for too long and God is not working fast enough for them to go, all right, let's make another God. We'll say that is the God that did all these great things. There we fix the problem. And part of me, wants to look at these people and go, are you kidding me? But then when I think about what I do, when God's not going at the speed I'd like, when things aren't happening in the way that I think they should be happening, when I think about that, I find that I do the same thing. I'm guessing you've done it too. See the Israelites, they were tired of waiting so they decided to take matters into their own hands. Whenever I've got a problem or or I need some answers or some wisdom, or I've got an issue, I absolutely try to go to God first. But if something doesn't happen soon, well, I guess I better step in and figure out something on my own. And when I do that, I'm taking God out of the equation. I'm putting myself in the middle of it. Here's the thing about it. Even if things do work out, guess what happens next? Oh man, would you look at what I did? Would you look at what I made happen? I figured it out, I did it. I mean, the Israelites, they they made this golden calf. They said, here, here are the gods that did all this stuff for us. And that is why God starts off clearly stating, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. He gives them the clear truth that he was the one who delivered them. And this truth becomes a pattern in his communication with the Israelites for generations. In Judges chapter six and 1 Samuel 10 and Psalm 81 and Jeremiah 34, God continues to remind the people, I am the Lord. I am the one who led you out of Egypt. He continuously reminds them of who he is and what he has done for them. And it's because of what he has done for them and because of what he has done for us, that he has the right to command that we have no other gods. See, God's not only the creator of all things, God's also the redeemer of all things. Just like he did with the Israelites, God is the only one who has delivered you and me. But I've, I've never been delivered out of Egypt. If you've ever found yourself in a situation you never thought you would be in, found yourself in a place you didn't wanna be. If you've ever found yourself in a dark season, if you've ever felt separated from God, but then he brought you out of it, you've been delivered. You have been rescued. Now, some of you, you're, you're in the middle of that season right now, and you are waiting and you are hoping that God is going to deliver you. He promises that he will. But it might not be how or when you want it to be. The Israelites waited for hundreds of years to be delivered out of slavery. And once they were delivered, they spent the next 40 years wandering through the desert. But God came through on his promise but I've, I've, I've never been a slave. But you have, I have, we all have. A slave is a person who is excessively dependent on or controlled by something or someone. We've all been slaves to money or success or acceptance or status or ourselves or whatever else it is that we have put our focus on instead of God. And if God hasn't brought you out of that slavery yet, maybe it's because you prefer going after a made up God that you feel you can control and have influence over. I and mean, God gives the command. He gives the rule that we should have no other gods before him. And no matter what your approach to the rules is, no matter if you are a rule follower, a rule breaker or a rule bender, the truth is, is we keep the rules that we believe in. When it comes to our response to the 10 commandments and how they should play out in our lives today, When it comes to the power that we still give to God's words, they are an opportunity and an invitation for us to be obedient to what God calls us to do. The commands today, they still have the same purpose that they had for the original audience thousands of years ago. The purpose of the commandments is to help us grow in our relationship with God. See, God gave us these commands so that we would know what he desires for us and from us. As we get into this series in the coming weeks, we will continue to see that obeying the commandments are how we can fully take on and enjoy what God has done for us. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know the truth that following these commandments, it just leads to a better life. See, God gave us his words so that we would know what he desires for us and from us. He loves us so much that he gave us clear direction. He wanted to make sure that it was clear what the expectation was. And again, it's not because God wants to be controlling of every aspect in our lives. It's not because he wants to to do any of that stuff. It's because he wants to bless us. And it's through following his commands that we are blessed. Jesus says in Luke eleven twenty eight, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So here's my prayer for you and for myself, that we wouldn't look at the commands of God as a list of do's and don'ts, as a means of God controlling us, but that we would see them as ways in which we can honor and worship God in everything that we do. I pray that our love for God would give us the desire to be obedient to what God asks from us. And that through our obedience and our love for him, others would come to know and trust and believe in God. But first, we have to decide what our relationship with him looks like. And so with every head bowed, with every eye closed. I know some of us, we, we struggle with authority figures. We struggle with authority itself. And so for some of us, having rules to live our lives by, it's not something we wanna do. For some of us, we, we've had bad authority figures in our lives and that has kind of tainted our view of God's rules and desires for us. But I want you to know and trust and believe that God, he doesn't want to control you, he wants to bless you. And those blessings come through being obedient to his word and his word comes out of his supreme knowledge of how we can enjoy and live life to the fullest not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of the kingdom as well. And so maybe today, today is the time where you feel like God is leading you to take that first step of faith and be obedient to him by confessing that you trust in who he is and you wanna make him the Lord of your life. We believe in what scripture says when it says that when we believe in our hearts, we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that it is in that moment that we are saved. And so right now, if you wanna accept Jesus into your life and you wanna say, God, I wanna live for you in everything that I do, that is what you need to do. You confess that you believe that Jesus is Lord of all things and that is the moment that salvation starts. And so God, I thank you for those who are saying yes to you right now. God, I thank you for those who are trusting in you for maybe the first time. For those who are saying, you know what? I need something. God, I thank you for being the God that is always there and you speak to us in ways that we understand. So God, I pray that you would give us a new look on your rules and your authority. God, for those who are saying yes to you for the first time, I pray that you would give them courage, that you would give them the boldness to step out in faith and trust in who you are. And God, for those of us who have been following you for a while, it's still hard to follow the rules. It's still hard to to relinquish control to another authority, but God, we trust and we know that you are the Supreme God. You are the one and only God. And so my prayer is that we would see your rules, your commands as a guideline, as a roadmap to how we can live the best life possible for your glory. God, give us strength, give us grace and mercy, Help us to know that when we fail, you are still there, you still love us. So God, we thank you for being God. We thank you for your involvement in our lives. Help us to trust you more today than we did yesterday. God, we thank you for loving us. It is in your name that we pray all these things, amen. Well, hey, if you're here today and you felt that God is leading you to take that step of trusting him with your life and you are making that first time decision that you wanna follow Jesus, we believe that is the best decision that you can make. And as a church, we wanna celebrate that with you. (laughs) Man, here at Vail, we believe that nobody goes on this journey alone, so we wanna celebrate and partner with you in that. So if you made that decision to follow Jesus today, I want you to take the card in the seat in front of you, fill that out, check that follow Jesus box, bring that out to the info counter. We wanna celebrate with you. You can also scan the code on that card or you can text the word next to the number on the screen and we will reach out to you this week to celebrate your next step and talk about what goes on from here. But maybe you've made that decision before and God's leading you to another next step. It may be talking about baptisms, which are happening next week. It could be talking about serving. It could be talking about joining a small group community. Whatever your next step is, nobody goes on this alone. We wanna partner with you in that. So fill out that card, text that number. We will reach out to talk about your next step. We are so excited about what God is doing. And so I wanna invite you all to stand as we celebrate and worship today. We hope this message challenged you, encouraged you, and most of all brought you closer to a loving God who wants nothing but the best for you. If you have any questions about taking next steps in your faith journey, simply text NEXT to 309-777-0677. Everyone has a next step, and here at Vail, we would love to walk alongside you. If this message was impactful to you, we encourage you to share it. To stay connected to everything Veil Church, feel free to subscribe. Visit our website at veiled.church and follow our socials on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, for all of those who call Veil Church home, let's remember, worship faithfully, connect intentionally, give generously, and serve sacrificially. We'll see you next week.